Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and I'll be your host on this journey through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond. Hello, and welcome to episode number 106 of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I truly appreciate you listening in, and if you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Google or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for your support. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This week's network shout-out goes to Kyle Marshall and Creative Block. There's a new episode of Creative Block out this week featuring yours truly. Thanks to Kyle for the opportunity to be on the other side of the mic. It was really great chatting with you. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for links to Creative Block and all the other great shows on the network. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you in part by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small business, and like many of you, it has been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed, and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. We're heading down south to Texas this week as Brian and Andrew, the hosts of the Tales from the Pits podcast, join me to talk Texas barbecue and a little bourbon. I had a few technical issues on this one, folks, the first one being that nine or ten minutes into our conversation, I realized that I wasn't recording anything that I said. Total rookie move there. I did manage to edit in my questions and stuff, so not a big deal there. Unfortunately, Andrew is also uh, suffering with a really poor internet connection. He dropped out a few times, and his audio is a little hard to understand here and there. So I do apologize for both those things. Hope it isn't too hard to listen to. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. We're back in the basement studio tonight, and via Zoom, I've got the hosts of the Tales from the Pits podcast out of Houston, Texas, Andrew Martinez and Brian Norton, here to talk a little Texas barbecue tonight. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Good. Just stuck stuck in these four walls, you know? <laughs> yeah, just enjoying that quarantine life. So guys, to get things started here, let's uh, talk a little bit about yourselves, a bit of bio uh, background information about yourselves. Depends on how far you want to go on that too. Um, you know, Barbecue related, I have to always throw this out first, right? So I'm born and bred Texan, unlike Yankees and other people that have come down from other states. Um, but, you know, the, the the barbecue world changed massively over my time in Texas. So to me, um, you know, Lockhart was what it was, obviously. Taylor was what it was. Um, and we didn't go to Luling much. We drove through Luling, but... Um, Salt Lake was really it in Austin, around Austin for us. And um, those are special times. In county line, we would go to the county line as well. Um, you know, most of the, the the newer style has only popped up. You know, we, we kind of call it before Franklin and after Franklin. Um, and and so, you know, luckily for people like Andrew that are latecomers and, and showing up to Texas, even though he's five. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's 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 just changed so much for the better. And it's just gotten, I mean, just such a wealth of barbecue down here. Um, so, you know, going past hobbies and trials and tribulations and all of that, but um, I was driving around Texas on a motorcycle with my wife, eating barbecue, um, 
we started with, there was a little game with one of the motorcycle guys. Um, you had to go eat and get receipts. And so we started doing that and re- was really enjoying it. Um, and then uh, met up with Andrew, who was, you know, a, a, an idiot like me just going out and eating barbecue. Uh, and that's kind of how we crossed paths. And then we said, you know, look, I'm going to these places. You're going to these places. We can save some gas money and go to these places together. And that's, um, that's kind of uh, how we got into eating barbecue together. And Andrew, where is uh, home for you? Originally, uh, Brooklyn, New York, um, born, born and raised for the first eight years of my life. And then in Texas for the last 30 years, um, but yeah, I mean, barbecue for me growing up was honestly crappy steam table barbecue, um, which was what barbecue was in the nineties and even early two thousands in Texas, for the most part, unless you went to one of those cities that Brian alluded to, you know, the Lockhart's, the Taylor's of the world, you were eating Oftentimes it was gas-fired barbecue that was sliced super thin. All the bark, all the fat was cut off, and it would be sitting in a steam table until you ordered it. And then, and oftentimes, especially in the Houston area, it would be covered in a thick, sweet, gloopy sauce to cover up how hideous the meat or flavorless the meat tasted. And so I didn't have a whole lot of great barbecue memories growing up. Um, It wasn't until 2011 uh, and a trip to Franklin Barbecue really opened my eyes to what barbecue could be and was so different than the bars I grew up eating. And then from there, down the rabbit hole it goes and, you know, trying all the places that were on the 2008 Texas monthly list at the time was the most current one. And, you know, going to Snows, Lou Miller, Lockhart, all those places and, and, you know, dragging my wife to all of them, even though she's not the biggest meat eater in the world by any stretch of the imagination. And so, yeah, eventually Brian and I crossed paths my wife couldn't have been happier at the time because it meant she didn't have to go eat barbecue anymore. Little did she know it meant she would eventually have pop-ups invade her house. Uh, <laughs> Brian and I started cooking barbecue and started getting involved in uh, trying to create our own, you know, our own little niche in the barbecue world. Uh, we started cooking and serving barbecue together, uh, bought several different smokers and cooking vessels over the years, and then yeah, launched this you know goofy podcast that we launched three years ago now. That's turned into, you know, something else. And Brian, you uh, at that time had a barbecue blog, correct? We both did, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, um, I, I was doing, mine was called Texas Barbecue Treasure Hunt, and it was based on the, the motorcycles. I still pay for the upkeep of it, and I still have the, the in, big inside joke. I still have like 20 articles that are three, two-thirds written. I just have to finish um, and post them up. Close from those articles. Yeah, yeah. And, and Andrew did as well um, about his. But but what happened was, why not just talk about it? It was just a lot easier. Right? And, and Andrew was running his own blog at the time, too. Yeah, my mine was food based in general. It wasn't necessarily just barbecue based. It was based on food in and around Houston for the most part. Um, Houston is one. I mean, I, I have not been to every single city in the country, but I will say that Houston's food scene is as diverse and as exciting as any city that I've been to. Uh, so really enjoyed the food scene in general, barbecue and otherwise. And honestly, when, when Brian and I met, the barbecue scene in Houston was really just starting to take shape in terms of a modern sense of style. Um, Austin had hit that boom earlier, obviously, Franklin and, you know, then John Lewis leaving Franklin going to La Barbecue and so on and so forth. Um, but Houston really didn't have that first big wave. Gatlin was kind of on its own for a little bit as one of the first places doing a modern style. Uh, and then Corkster came along. And then you know, Ronnie Killen, who had already had a very strong reputation as a chef in the Pearland area, which is a suburb of Houston, 
he started doing barbecues circa 2013. Yep. In, in general, you know, it was it was just kind of this really magic time in, in Houston barbecue because, you know, the, the old standards were there. Pizzatolas, um, Virgis had made the 2008 list. Um, you know, there was there was still a lot of those standbys um, that had been around. But this new wave of barbecue was really taking off. And, you know, the Texas Monthly article in the top 50, all of that exploded that. Um, so it was great because these places were popping up and there was new guys and they were trying new things. You know, the, the whole idea of like the fusion barbecue and, you know, Tex-Mex barbecue and Asian barbecue, all of the, those really hadn't started to gel. Um, sausage in Houston wasn't a thing. Everybody, almost everybody was, was just buying, you know, pre-made sausage and reheating it. So it was, it was a great time to be together. Our, our first meeting was actually at, um, uh, it was Fijis Barbecue. At the time, it was, it was um, Fijis and West Jarena. And they did a they did a get together together, um, and I still remember the barbecue we had that day because it was so good. Um, it was and and that was when uh, Patrick was um, uh, before he was working at I, I think it was before he was working at um, Killens or it might have been when he was working. And I know we lost Andrew for a second, so I'm trying to keep up the keep up the pace. But when he comes back, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, um, but it was it was again you know there was there was pop ups and these people have gone on to do brick and mortars. Um, quite a bit. Andrew, when, when we met at um, the Fijis and West Arena pop-up, was, was Patrick working for Killen or was it before then? I think he was working for Killen by then. I, I want to say he was. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he was too, but it, but it was just, it was, it was just that time and, and Houston's still growing and exploding, you know, but um, it, kind of the spotlight over the last year has been the, the Dallas, well, not Dallas, Fort Worth area. Yeah, um, not really Dallas so much, uh, but Fort Worth and, and south of Fort Worth is kind of where that, that magic's happening right now in Texas barbecue. So, and then it was the release in 2017, uh, the spring of 2017, of the Texas Monthly Top 50 that kind of led or coincided with the starting up of the Tales from the Pits podcast, right? Yeah, the actual same week. Uh, same week that the top 50 list came out, which is end of May 2017. I mean, obviously, it's something that Brian and I have been talking about for a while. And then we knew once the top 50 list came out that we were going to go to all 50, you know, in a pretty short amount of time anyway. And so we're like, well, this is time to launch it. We're going to be doing a lot of traveling, eating a lot of barbecue. And so, yeah, that was kind of the, uh, the thing that sprung, you know, the start of the podcast, which, I mean, at the time was literally just the two of us talking into one microphone that was plugged into a phone. Well, you've got to start somewhere, right? And you can tell quality. It's not gotten a lot better, but but um, back then it was it was pretty pretty simple and low key. And you know, like I said, it was it was much easier to do that than to try to write articles and frame all of that around um, that experience. So um, at the time, there when we first launched, I don't know if there was anybody doing Texas barbecue podcasts. Um, I, I know that you know Barbecue Central was out, but um, everybody kind of started right around that same summer. Um, it was really kind of that explosion. That list drives all of that that you know, fandom and that that interest into barbecue, and especially like it, you know, you had you had Franklin, um, then you had the 2013 that just really reinforced it wasn't just a flash in the pan. It was it was growing, and um, it was just like I said, the, the 2013 from there until 2015, 2016 was just such an amazing time. And it still is, but, but the places were so few that it was okay to drive two, 300 miles to go eat somewhere because 
there was nothing like that maybe in the whole city or in that region. Um, today in Texas, every single city has at least one really, really good, any city that's worth their salt has, has at least one great barbecue joint that, that, you know, I would definitely recommend. And that goes from El Paso um, all, all the way down to the Valley, um, not just the big cities. Yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of some memorable moments uh, of your travels with the podcast over the, the three years here. Oh, there's been, there's been a lot of memorable <laughs> moments for, for different reasons. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, we had the, the West Texas trip that we did for the passport was so much fun. Um, it was our first experience going to Ebby Mays, right. which just blew us away. I mean, at, at this point in our fatness eating careers, <laughs> we have, there's very few times where we're both just completely blown away by a meal. And most of the, I mean, we know the great places are the great places and we expect them to be great. And obviously yep. Ebby Mays was number nine on the list at the time. So we knew it would be good, but, it was one of those moments where we both took a bite of food and we looked at each other like, is that really as good as I think it is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It, yeah. So that, that whole trip was fun. You know, we, we spent two or three days, uh, Brian, myself and Leslie, Brian's wife spent three days, I think on the road, uh, traveled all across Texas, ate at, I don't know, seven or eight different places across those three days and just had, had a blast doing it. And then mm-hmm. obviously as the podcast has, has grown a little bit and, you know, a couple of people have listened to it and, We've gotten to you know meet just a lot of people, and that's the whole reason that we started in the first place was to meet some of the people that you know that we had so much reverence for that cooked right. this amazing barbecue, and find out like their their motivations, what was behind them, and they all have different stories of how it started for them. I mean, some people were born into it, some people came to it from a completely different career path, some people left it and came back to it. You know, it's it's just been fascinating for us to find out all these different avenues of people's lives and how it all ended up in this one very similar place. All these, all these different backgrounds that, you know, you've got people like Sam Jones and, and Wayne Miller and John Miller um, and Leanne that, that have been in, it's been in their family, yeah. you know, the, the black family, um, all of those people that, that have been around for so long, but then you have people that were kind of just thrust into it. And um, you know, one of the more interesting ones is Patrick Fegis where mm-hmm. Um, you know, his career and path wasn't barbecue no. uh, in, until the military and, and, and the, uh, uh, I don't really know if you'd call it an accident, but um, until the explosion, you yeah. know, did so much damage that it, it, it allowed him an opportunity to get in um, and he got under the right tutelage and he got under the, he did great quality. And so it's, it's great and fascinating to listen to how they landed into this little world that, that barbecue is mm-hmm. uh, some of the pit builders as well, you know, that, that, you know, they're making a living and they're very big in this environment of barbecue, but it's just almost happenstance that they came into that. Yeah. You know, right. well, like Son- Sonny Moberg, whose grandfather was involved with Smoky Denmark way back years ago. Smoky Denmark's known for, for years in Austin of being a very quality sausage provider. So okay. he had an avenue of barbecue in his blood, but the, you know, his place in barbecue became something totally different. He had a welding and fabrication business for, mm-hmm. for years and years, which eventually evolved into pit building. So stories like that are what yeah. keep it fun for me, at least, or it's just finding those different, those different stories. And obviously if you do as many episodes as a Rhino, you've done over a hundred episodes. Now we've yeah. done a hundred and whatever, you know, you do get some similar stories, but sure. every once in a while, when you find that really unique story, you're like, oh, wow, I never knew that about this. And it could be someone that you thought you knew for a very long time, you know, or at least on the periphery. And then you really sit down and talk with them and, and you find out that there's even more to the story than you originally thought. So those things are super interesting. Obviously, the things that we've gotten to do um, in terms of 
we've gotten to cook with some really, really great cooks and masters. And that's been so much fun. I mean, that's, that, those are the nerdy experiences for me anyway, is to, is to get to even, even if that means cutting a vegetable for them, I don't care. Just the fact that I get to yeah. sit there and watch them at their craft and, and assist in any way. Even, even the corn. Yeah, the corn. Even, <laughs> even the 10 million ears of corn that we cooked and shucked at a Windy City festival. That, that yeah. was a heck of a lot of fun. Too. I, I'll, I'll say, um, I'll, I'll just bring up two experiences that um, off the top of my mind, um, experience wise, right? So um, the first one was, was having a drink of Pappy Van Winkle with, mm. um, with Russell, um, Russell Regal and, uh, and Aaron Franklin, that was pretty, pretty phenomenal at, yeah. at the, at, I think it was at brisket camp, but we went to, we, we got to go to brisket camp, barbecue camp. And then um, my wife funded me to go to creative sausage making as well. So those right. were, those are really cool times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sam Jones, um, just an, an amazing guy. Um, that was phenomenal. Um, we also did a, um, uh, we, we, we helped out with John Miller and he put on a, a, an event called the Tonto Fest. Right. Yep. Um, and it was, it was very interesting. So he, um, I, I'll, I'll use the word attempted cause it didn't come out great, but, um, he did a half of a cow. Yeah. So instead of doing a, you know, half of a hog, it was a half of a cow. Yeah. Uh, he also took another half, um, and he did a four, he did two four quarters. He took the other four quarter and, um, cut it and sectioned it up and did that on a pit, uh, which came out really, really well. But, um, some of those cooking experiences and and sitting with these legends and talking to them and but but having it done in a in a in a relaxed open environment that's that's what we really enjoy. Uh, yeah, that's that's been the most fun. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Charleston wine and food is another one for me. That's that, Charleston wine and yeah. food. Yeah, I don't know. That's something that I had thought about going to for years, just as a, a fan of food. Yeah. Just never was able to, and then we were able to go for the show uh, in 2019, and w- just what an amazing experience of food and, and good times. The the after party that we got to go to, where it's just a bunch of barbecue people having fun and not having to be you know on their game, and you know right. just yep. being flies on the wall. I mean, we're we're nerds for this stuff. We always have been, and so to to get any sort of little inside glimpse has just been been one of the most cool things for me about the show. Yep. And what, well, if we're uh, talk about festivals, we can't talk about any festival without talking about Red Dirt. So, Red Dirt, yeah. Red Dirt's a phenomenal one that um, people just have to go. It's it's such it, it's such an event, and and Charleston is different, but it has some of that that element to it. And really, the Windy City Smokeout had a lot of that element too. Um, they're they're a ton of fun, but music is is just at a critical piece as the barbecue to the festival right um, and that's what that's what makes it fun is you've got people that maybe haven't haven't experienced the barbecue and so they're doing some of that for the first time um or as we saw you know maybe some instagram bloggers that were interested in taking pictures of the corn and not even eating it but um but but you get people that are experiencing barbecue the first time and you get the pitmasters sometimes that are um you know they're cooking different things because they can or because they want to um, so that's that's always a lot of fun, and then the music. I mean, um, Red Dirt speaks to me. Right. Uh, that type of music. Um, it, it and that was um, just a lot of fun. I mean, and meeting some of these people. You know, um, I saw. I went to the Dallas Smoke Dallas Fest one year, and Shiny Ribs played. Um, right. And it, I was just blown away. Just the the entertainment value and the music, 
And so we, we got to, I got to see him once or twice more. Um, and then, and then we even, um, I, I met him in uh, Bernie, no, not Bernie, Green, Texas, at Green Hall. And I don't think it's Green, Texas, but Green Hall and brought him some of our, um, uh, some of our sausage as well. And nice. some of our barbecue sauce. So that was really cool to interact yeah. um, kind of across those boundaries too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get to kind of get on the other side of the line there. Right? Future plans for the show? Anything, uh, obviously? Yeah. <laughs> Post-coronavirus? Uh, I have lost 20 pounds this year. Um, oh, well done. 20, and this morning it was 22, but I probably won't keep that off. But I've lost 20 pounds. And so it's it's like bittersweet because, yeah. you know, that I'm getting healthier, but um, we're, we're just dying for the road trips again. We did yeah. escape, um, and do a little road trip, a socially distant road trip. Andrew, yeah. if you, if you talk about that one, and that was a lot of fun. So we did get out of the house, um, and do it safely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian and I have only seen each other once since this whole thing started, um, a few weeks back, right when they first started opening Texas up before everyone got coronavirus again, yeah. they, uh, <laughs> they decided that, you know, we could start opening things up a little bit more. And so Brian and I had been talking about it since the start of quarantine about going and doing a, a road trip to Austin because yep. one of, you know, from a consumer standpoint, one of the benefits of this shutdown was you didn't have to stand in line for Franklin barbecue anymore, which mm-hmm. for a barbecue fan, that's amazing. I mean, yep. Franklin is so the line is a thing. Oh yeah. Yes, Without the line, that's also a thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone should experience a line at some point if they're a big yes. barbecue fan. But if you've done it once, it's a real treat to not have to stand in it ever again. So yes. we uh, once we found out that we could order it, and they had a pre-order, which was a few days in advance. If you pre-ordered, three pound minimum, um, you could pick a. You select a pickup time. You can go pick it up, and it's completely contactless experience. So that was kind of really the thing that drove that whole trip. It was like, okay, yeah. well, we have an opportunity to get Frank and not have to stand in line for four hours. So Decided to do a socially distant road trip. We went to Franklin uh, Law Barbecue, which is another place that tends to have yep. a line, not necessarily as crazy as Franklin, but still it's a commitment uh, to go there, you know, pre-quarantine. And then we went to Leroy and Lewis, one of our favorite places in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to Valentina's, another one of our favorite places in Texas. So we got to go to four of the real top dogs in the game. Absolutely. Um, in a really short amount of time without having to stand in line. And it was from a, from a barbecue standpoint, it was a no-brainer for us. From a safety standpoint, we started thinking of how to do this and be responsible about it. So we uh, we packed up as much safety equipment as we could. We brought a six-foot table with us, um, cutting board, gloves, um, our masks, so every single-use plates, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and we packed it up, went to you know went and got our food, and set up our table, and we're, we're able to eat six feet apart. Perfect. So it wasn't the same as our road trips pre-coronavirus, of course not, but it was pretty pretty darn close to it, closer than we thought we could get. Yeah. Of course, now things have started to pick back up again in terms of people testing positive and getting, you know, and, and the outbreak is, is on again. So we're once again hunkered down. And even though we're constantly texting each other about, well, we could drive eight hours to this place and drive right back, and then we wouldn't have to stay at a hotel. If we didn't. Visit. Well, BE, yeah, BE Scott. So, yeah. so, yeah, one of our one of our favorite. That was BE Scott's. Um, we love a lot of the the whole hog out that way, but mm. um, the the experience we had at BE Scott's because it was the first 
good whole hog place we had stopped on the trip yeah. was, was very, uh, we, we liken it to what most people's experience at Louis Miller would be. Yes. Um, that first, you know, that first, oh, wow, this can be barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sat with us. And then unique there is that you can pick which part of the hog you want to eat from. Ah, okay. Um, so the Midlands, which is where the, the belly is, um, is kind of like the fatty brisket of pork, if you will. And it just phenomenal. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, yeah, we were this, just this week, we were looking at, you know, well, we could leave <laughs> on a Thursday night and get there in time for lunch on Friday and then get back and not have to take, you know, more than one day off work. Right. I'm not kidding. Two night, I haven't told Brian this, but two nights ago, I actually had a dream and Zach Parker from Peace got to the dream <laughs> and I was eating a pork sandwich. I'm not kidding. That, man, that, that's where we're at in, yep. in our quarantine. At this point. <laughs> we're, we're just dreaming about pork sandwiches and Nice. Yeah, trying to find safe ways to be able to do this in terms of the show. I mean, obviously we, we want to put episodes out as much as we can. Yeah. Um, we can interview people and, and do the show the way we've always done the show, but unfortunately it's just not possible to do it exactly the way we've done it. So yeah. we're going to put out episodes when we can and then hopefully it's not too much of a layoff. I know we took about two months off, put out a couple episodes and, and now we've taken another couple of weeks off. I honestly don't know when the next episode is going to be, um, but hopefully sooner than later. And I mean, obviously we have plans to continue the show. It's just a matter of when we can safely travel around again and that's right. And at least on some level do what we've been doing. Yeah. I've, uh, I've adapted with uh, doing stuff like this with zoom and uh, uh, trying to make the best of it. So usually, usually yeah. it's good. I mean, you have somebody's crappy video, like, like Andrew. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you can have my lousy internet that cuts out on you every yeah. five minutes. Uh, he is moving there. so um you know one one thing I, i'm kind of excited about it because he's moving to um, a part of houston that's a little bit underserved but it's starting to pick up um okay Andrew, andrew's moving out to katie texas is it okay. next month no i'm not moving to katie i'm in houston <laughs> it's close enough <laughs> not really it's not where you're at now i'm moving to spring branch not that anyone in canada will know where that is but I'm moving close to Fijis is opening. Fijis is opening up there, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm moving a few miles from Fijis. He will be the closest barbecue joint to me. And I drove nice. from the new house to Truth the other day, 16 minutes door to door. That's not so bad. Very excited about that. Yep. Uh, yeah, actually, a colleague, a work colleague from here uh, last year moved to Houston for work. And uh, they, they bought a place right in the Heights. So he's. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, he's got Truth. He's got Pinkertons right there. He's doing okay. Yeah, no, the Heights is a nice place to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Barbecue and otherwise, the food there is amazing. But yeah. you know, obviously, there's a plethora of quality barbecue joints that have opened in, in and around the Heights area over the last few years. Yep. Truth being one of those, of course. Absolutely. I, I went to Truth last week, actually. had a to-go meal from Truth last week. I uh, was able to get to the Brenham one a couple trips back, but haven't been to the new uh, the Houston location yet, so. Same great food, much bigger building. Perfect. Yeah, you, you kind of touched on it, uh, the pop-ups. Talk about that a little bit. Brian, you want to start with that one? Um, yeah, so there's there's a little bit of a, a history to that. Was We got into this, uh, and we were like, you know, let's do some competition barbecue. Right. You know, let's, let's go see what this is all about. It's all over the TV. It's a big mm-hmm. thing. Um, so we got into competition and did um, three events. And we did, we did place, um, we did compete in an IBCA, 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 and, um, and it was interesting, but the food is, 
it's Franken food. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's a different. Uh... Yeah, it's 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 built and engineered and and created to drive certain things. And and I get it. And I actually appreciate the skill that it takes to win there mm-hmm. because the the difference from from the top ten is is so minuscule. But the food is just not what I would want to eat. No, and it's... so uh, you know our. We we got a ninth place call in brisket on a brisket that was a um, select brisket from HEB marinated in Shiner beer, um, and you know, it it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a that's one of our our favorite ones. But um, but we said, look, you know, rather than spend you know five hundred or more dollars a weekend, and maybe get a plaque, we're we're probably never going to get to that level of of you know big prize money or anything. Um, rather than do that, why don't we cook the food that we actually want to eat? And we don't care if we make any money, mm-hmm. let's just do what we want to do. Right. And, and so we started doing pop-ups. Our first one was, um, we didn't even tell friends or family. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do was, was very specific is we, we wanted people to give honest opinions. And number one, if you're giving away food, you're not going to get an honest opinion. Yep. And if you're giving away food to your family, you're not going to get an honest opinion. Um, you know, I call it the American Idol effect where people are told, oh, no, you're great. You're great. And then they get on stage and they're not. Um, <laughs> so the first one we didn't even invite friends or family to. It was it was just donations. The second one, um, I think we invited friends and no family or family and no friends. Social media about it. Yeah. Um, and then the third one was the first one that was real. Um, and we charged and we've been charging for barbecue ever since. And And to us. You know, it's a big deal is people that don't know you that pay for your food, they're going to be much more honest than, um, you know, than than Instagram friends or or friends of any kind. Yeah. So so we really enjoyed doing it the way we did it. Um, And we learned a lot. Yeah. Each pop up we learned a ton and we still learn something new every time we do it. The first pop up we, we to this day, we still laugh hysterically about it i found the menu a few months ago and we put every idea we had on the menu good and bad and there was a lot of bad ideas yeah and we had all those stuff going on we didn't know what we were doing i mean over time we've learned to to pare down the menus a little bit find out what we're good at and more importantly find out what the people in our area that we're serving want to eat um and, and we think i mean i honestly think there are restaurants that don't do that enough that and, and don't see the from, from a pop-up perspective, the, the other thing that I, we learned, and, and if we can share anything on doing pop-ups too, is design your menu for the speed of service of a pop-up and the environment of a pop-up. There's people that we know that want to do these, you know, very creative, very difficult dishes to create and churn out over a few hour period of a pop-up. And that's great and wonderful and fun, but that's you're kind of doing your customers a disservice if they're having to wait because you know you're you're trying to to grill things separately individually. Yeah. And you know, so that was a big thing we, we continue to learn too. Right. There's things we want to do, but we're limited in the pop-up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we learned to streamline menus. Um, again, like Brian said, don't try to have a brick and mortar menu in a easy up pop-up tent sort of setup. And and that's you know, that's one of the things that we learned. I mean, we learned lots of lots of lessons the hard way, but I mean, we were so fortunate to have so many great people that we knew throughout the barbecue world come and eat our food, and that was the most intimidating thing I've ever done is 
serve food to Russell Ragles or Patrick Beges mm. or, yep. you know, or, or John Brotherton drove down from, you know, from Bloomerville to eat our yep. food and Brett Bourne. Brett, Brett from Brett's, uh, Brett's backyard barbecue yep. as well. Rockdale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was great to see the people, but you are, you know, after eating their food for so long, you're, you're nervous about, you know, that because mm. you, you don't want what we're doing is we don't want people to give us a break and go, Hey, you guys are hacks. It's okay. We want people to judge us as it was. Of course. Uh, it, and, and some of that and the creativity and the desire to do that led us into sausage making. Um, we've been making sausage for, I think it's over three years now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I will take some credit for pushing Houston into doing creative sausages. Um, and Andrew's going to join us back in a yeah. second. Uh, but, but um, it, it, it was interesting because at the time there was very, very few people. There were, there were some doing it, but there was very few people doing it. And I, I, and I started learning and I went to the creative sausage making class, which was great. Um, but it, I've, I've never stopped learning. And so just um, uh, a week and a half ago, um, I went and, and I paid for, to attend a class with Bill Dumas. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so they continue to learn a, a friend of mine, Cody Avery was having the class and he's like, it was going to the class. He's like, Hey, do you want to come join me? And I'm like, yeah, we'll get a little bit of a discount for two, but it's, it's that constant desire to learn as well. It's not just to, you know, we're, we're trying to learn we're trying to understand the business better, the dollars, the economics, um, you know, the sausage is interesting because you're using some of your leftover ingredients right. you know, from your brisket if you're doing a lot of trimmings. But mm-hmm. just like everything, you've got to make sausage that is that is cost effective um, and and meet your audience. So yep. Andrew, Andrew pulls my chain a little bit, um, keeps me in line. Um, you know, <laughs> he, he won't let me serve the uh, tater tot casserole sausage. <laughs> but um, but but we do we do create some creative stuff. We're really proud yeah. of what we do as pop ups. Um, we really enjoy it. We think that we are genuine um, in in what we do and how we do it. We're not doing it for the Instagram. Um, we're not doing it for um, credit or for points. We're doing it because for one, we enjoy it. And we want to learn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say, and this is important, we 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 have always turned a profit at our pop ups. Nice. We've never we've never lost money in a pop up uh, because we're we're doing it as a business. Yeah. You know, we're taking it serious. Now, is there thought from the two of you of taking that further with the, the pop-ups? So, the, the sure, but um, I, we both have real jobs yeah. uh, that pay real money. They actually pay it in checks, not in not in uh, credit. Yeah. And, um, and more importantly, they have insurance. Yes. Um, you know, I, I feel for many people in the barbecue industry, you can make a profit in the barbecue world. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of people that are doing good profit in the barbecue world, although now it's a little, little harder right now to understand. Yep. Um, but it, it's the cost of insurance that's just mind blowing. And, and I'm getting older, you know, I'm over 50 now. Um, and insurance is becoming more important to me than the enjoyment of barbecue. Right. I, I still would love, I'd love to cook more than what we're doing this year, mm-hmm. but yeah. because of the reason, um, but um, every time we do it, it's funny because it's like this, we prepare so hard, we work so hard and we get all excited about it. And then the, the, the day of it, we're like, we're never going to do this again. This is way too much work. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. Too much stress, too much work. Yeah. And then, and then like 48 hours later, we're like, okay, here's what we're going to do next time. You know, when's the next <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty much the, the, you know, the ebb and flow of every single pop-up we've ever done. Yeah. Predictable timeline. 
Uh, we touched on it a little, uh, the Houston area barbecue scene. Uh, it's been, I guess, uh, just a little over two years since I've been able to get down there now. Um, what's uh, what's happening? I think, at least in that period, Truth has opened up Houston. We talked about that. Uh, Blood Brothers, what uh, what else is going on down was there? Was Pinkerton open when you were down here? Yeah, I did, because uh, we, we tried to meet up at Pinkerton's yeah, that my last... Uh, yeah, it was my last night, but then you guys rib. got... Uh, <laughs> what's that? Never had a beef rib there. No? Okay. <laughs> that, that's okay. Brian's ongoing joke. Brian never remembers anything. Ah, okay. The Houston scene has blown up, um, and it continues to grow. Uh, what we're seeing now, and it's kind of funny because it's a pretty decent segue from what we were talking about, is... And back when, when Brian and I started doing pop-ups, I mean, there were some people doing pop-ups, but not a ton. And you started to right. see a lot of pop-up people the last couple of years um, really start to get a strong footing in Houston. Uh, and, and the Tex-Mex barbecue fusion thing that's been going on the last few years, obviously Valentina's was a yep. big part of that. You know, 2M has, you know, Tex-Mex and Mexican elements in their cooking. Um, but JQ's Tex-Mex, uh, Eddie O's mm-hmm. ha- have really started to push that scene in Houston, um, doing doing some creative stuff with uh, smoked meats, you know, incorporated with their, you know, their, in their Tex-Mex heritage, things like that. Koi uh, Barbecue has kind of saying, taken where Blood, where Brothers, Blood Brothers. Yeah, Blood Brothers, obviously, Koi. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Here's a preview. Some people say the end is near. Some say that it's already here. Backyard is burning is anywhere safe. I'm Adrian Lamb, and I'm hosting a new podcast called World on Fire. Along with wildfire expert Mike Flanagan, we're taking you to the front lines of fires burning out of control in North America, Australia, even the Arctic. We'll meet the reporters who are covering these devastating stories and hear from the people who, despite terrible loss, rebuild again and again. This goes on, and like when I grow up, maybe that this is going to be even worse, and I might actually be in a situation where there's a wildfire around me. We'll tell you what the future holds and take you inside the latest tools and technology providing hope. That's World on Fire, a five part original podcast from CBC Edmonton, available on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. Yeah, any any business that got started with this COVID stuff is a real challenge. Eh? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I don't know how far we want to go into that, but it's, it's, it's really brutal, you know. Well, uh, everywhere, yeah. From, from a, um, just from a, a delivery standpoint, from a cost standpoint, from a, from a production you know, if you're using these online tools, you're paying extra yep. um, for the software. Um, you're paying extra for the bags and things like that. If you're if you're packaging everything in the individual condiment cups, there's a little cost there. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it, and then the, the lack of of people that want to go out and eat, of mm-hmm. course. Um, so it's it's interesting because we've seen some places adapt pretty well, some places haven't, um, and location is important. 
factoring in the rise in beef prices as well. You know, right. so it's just been this this huge mix of bad things that have happened that really do affect the, the barbecue industry in particular from, again, from the social distancing things where people can't get together to the beef prices have just gone through the roof. The yeah. price of brisket has absolutely skyrocketed in in the U.S. over the last couple of months. Yeah, we've seen it similar here as well. Not at, not to the same extreme, I don't think, but we've seen some of it here. So, yeah, it's starting to so. come back down. But um, for you know the what you see in the you can go online and you can actually find like beef commodity prices, right. but it's based on choice, mm-hmm. it's based on commodity. So what you don't see is you don't you don't see what prime is the cost of prime. And you don't see the cost of prime at, at you know, some of the, like Creekstone or 44 Farms. Sure. Um, so, so they're affected in different ways as well. Um, so it's it's a little misleading because it may be more expensive than what you're seeing on, on if you look through those avenues. Yeah. Um, I've heard, you know, $7 a pound, over $7 a pound. I think it's come down much, much from that. But if, if, if you know and anybody knows, right, so you're going to trim a couple of pounds off. So mm-hmm. that $7 goes to about $9 real quick. And then you're going to lose 40% of weight on top of that. So that, that $9 goes to about $12, $14 maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, by the time you factor in wood, you factor in seasoning, you factor in labor. Yeah, uh, you know, your, your raw cost of cooking a brisket is, is pretty, pretty phenomenally high. Yeah. Uh, there's not a ton of margin in there. You know, um, the people that are most successful in barbecue are doing it in volume. Yeah. And so um, it's always difficult because if, if that cuts into your margins and you're talking about, you know, you're trying to cook multiple, you know, there's, there's people that are surviving. It's a hobby if you're doing two to five briskets for your, mm-hmm. for, per day, right? It's a yeah. hobby. Um, but if you're doing 30, 40, 50 briskets a day, then it's a business. And that, that cost difference of even $5 to $7 times 50, that's a hundred dollars a day right there, right yeah. off the, your bottom line that you're losing. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 that's tough too. It's come down. I think that'll continue to come down, um, but we just don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, we yeah, really don't. That's, yeah, nobody does, right? That's the kind of the scary thing about all of it is just the uncertainty over everything. So. Yeah, and I mean, Brian and I, I mean, we, we're crotchety old men when it comes to barbecue, and we're like, oh, we remember when brisket was this much and all that goofy stuff, but like, it was a, it was a shock to the system when brisket started to hit $20 a pound a few years back. And yep. now the price of brisket in Austin, Houston is approaching $30 a pound on average now on retail, on the retail side. And it's just, wow. it's hard because you're also dealing with a lot of consumers that are either being furloughed, might have lost their jobs yep. or, or are at risk of losing their jobs. So it's, it's a tough situation for the consumer and obviously for the restaurant as well. You know, when you're, when you're talking $60 for lunch for two people for lunch, um, it, it it's, it's, Crazy. I mean, our, our, our cost for our Austin trip was pretty crazy. Um, some of that was just because of the minimum quantity required. Sure. Um, but but it, it was still, I mean, we looked at the at the end of the day what that cost is, and it's like, that's 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 re- ridiculous. You know, we we love it and yeah. we understand and we try to support, you know, we try to support everybody we can. We try to go out and eat barbecue. Um, we've done things, um, we've done some um uh, charity. Um, ticket things and, yeah. and stuff like that to try to help as well. You know, we're really trying to help. Um, the best way anybody can help is to buy barbecue. Yeah. Uh, buy their food, you know, uh, buy or, their or buy merchandise or things like that. Just anything that you can to support these joints. You know, it's, it's obviously 
it's a big help to them. So, I mean, it's, you do what you can, obviously everyone's in a different financial situation, but you know, we're, we're trying to do what we can do on our end and hopefully, hopefully we can all get through this together because it's, it's a world problem at this point. Yep. It is. Absolutely. That's uh yeah, certainly. I guess the one thing that differentiates this from a lot of other stuff that's going on is the fact that it's, it's everybody, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. The virus does not discriminate. Nope. Um, before we, we get talking a little bourbon, a couple of hidden gems you've come across in your, uh, your barbecue travels. Oh, Brian, I'll let you go first. Hidden gems. Well, then the first one I'm going to talk about is an easy one. That's butters. Okay. Um, maybe not too hidden because, um, it, it has been featured by Daniel Vaughn in Texas monthly. Um, but, um, the term used to describe it was Franklin-esque for mm-hmm. the and, that's that's the most apt term we could find when we ate there. I mean, it, it was it, it reminded us very much of Franklin brisket and so much so that we were doing a trip. Um, we came back the next day unannounced. So we our, our our M.O. is that we don't tell people we're coming. Or if we do, we sneak in ahead of time. Right. Or we send our wives in. Um, it hasn't always worked. Um, Andrew's sure. been busted just by his voice one time. <laughs> I went to Bodacious once and I'd already, they, they knew me. And so I sent Andrew in and sat out in the parking lot. Right. Uh, because we, we want the genuine yeah. experience, right? Yes. You know, there's a lot of talk about a brisket. Well, you can't just go get another brisket. You can't cook another brisket, but you can go get another brisket. Sure. And we have seen it happen. And yep. some of the most famous places, and, and we're not going to name names, but um, we know the people now. Mm-hmm. And they recognized us without us saying anything. They went and got a different brisket. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's okay because they're trying. We, we also understand that. Yeah. Because if, if you see an Instagram person or a blogger and you know your, your food's going to be in a picture, you're going to try to get the best food you can. Yeah. Um, but what we want to do when we do any recommendations, is we want to make sure that we're not providing an example that somebody else may not experience. Mm-hmm. Right? We want We want to, whatever we do, we want to be very confident that anybody could walk in there and get that same experience. Right. Um, and so that's, we went back to butters the second day unannounced because we didn't believe it was that good. Right. Like we thought that was, you know, because we had denounced ourselves ahead of time and we had set up the interview because where he's located, it wasn't, wasn't something easy to do. So we were like, well, let's go back and see if it's really that good. Yeah. Uh, and it was, um, yeah. and that was, that was one that was just, that's the most recent one that's really stuck out. And they're out kind of out towards San Antonio a little bit that way. Is that where they are? A little exactly. south of Yeah, it's uh, yeah. For anyone that might be looking to go there, it's in it's a little town called Mathis, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the closest city that anyone has heard of to Mathis is probably Corpus Christi. Okay, out down that way. Okay, yep. So it's you know if you were going south from San Antonio or south from uh, Houston, right? Would... Oh, we lost. Yep. He's still in there, hanging in there anyway. Oh, hang in there, Andrew, hang in there. Um, I will die uh, on us. You're going down that way too. Um, Teddy's Barbecue is also a great, great option as well. Yep. The farther down in the valley. Um, we we were trying to get back to the valley as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, you've cut out really bad. So um, oh. just, the, my favorite part is when your screen just freezes. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I can hear you though. Oh, now he dropped. Now he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was, um, that was one, um, gee, what about, I, I wonder what, 
like a really different one that really surprised us. Um, you know, there's been a lot that we've been to that exceeded our expectations. You know, mm. One of the problems is we have expectations, right? Of course. And, and this is the biggest problem with Franklin for anybody is that if you expect Franklin to be the best barbecue you ever had, and it is, that means it only met your expectations, yeah. right? Yep. And if you, if you find some hole in the wall place and it's two thirds as good as Franklin, that might actually be exceed your expectations. So expectations yes. are big. Um, Andrew, I also mentioned Teddy's if you're going down that way. Um, but what, yeah, what, what about you for off the wall, unknown places? Um, off the wall, unknown. The one that Brian and I, and I'll tell the story because it's a good story. Um, we, we can't take full credit for this. Um, Daniel Von Winter, before we did, he, he found it before we did. Um, but we went I there, we've gone talking. there many times. You know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Uh, I think I do too, but we'll see. <laughs> you probably do. It's this place called, uh, if you listen, if you've ever listened to our show, you probably know we love pork steak, which is mm. a bone in uh, about inch and a half to two inch thick cut off the shoulder um, yep. of a pig, obviously. That is best cooked over direct heat. Um, and when done well, is absolutely delicious. It's one of the things that Snows is known for, of course. Yep. Um, but there's this little place in this little town called Hallettsville, Texas, which is between Houston and Austin, or I mean Houston and Austin, between Houston and San Antonio along uh, just south by 10. It's yep. a place called Colacne Barbecue. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of a lot of Czech German names in that part yes. of Texas and Colacne is definitely along those lines. Um, but you know the Every time we've gone, it's it's owned and operated by a husband and wife that are uh, up there in age, their senior citizen status, and they're only open on the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays from 11 until they sell out, and they mostly service that town, so they can run out of things before they even open, because people right. will call them throughout the week and say, oh, I need, you know, four chickens and six pork steaks or whatever, so Brian and I have gone many times, and the, uh, the gentleman... Uh, the husband of the husband and wife team that owns it is a very to himself man, man a few words, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't care. Classic that old school barbecue kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Super old school. There's no frills to this place whatsoever. There are literally signs on the door that say, do not come in until 11 o'clock. Even if they're <laughs> open, do not come in. Yeah. So Brian hey, and I have got many times. So to- you come in. Yeah. Yes. We, we try to be, you know, obviously as friendly and cordial as we can. And so, one of the more recent times we went in there, we go to the back, and this is one of the pl- things I love about the place, other than the pork steak, obviously, which is phenomenal, is it's very old school. It's a it's in an old remodeled house where there's a front little store area, cash register, and then you walk a little further back, and that's where the direct heat is. Okay. And there's a tree behind that that I'm pretty sure is where he gets all his wood from. <laughs> and so everything is cooked on direct heat. Everything, the sausage, the chicken, the brisket, the brisket, the brisket, the brisket, which... <laughs> Do not order the brisket. Do not. <laughs> yeah, we do not recommend ordering the brisket at this place. Direct heat and that's okay. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. It, it probably can be done well. We just have never had really well done direct heat brisket. But uh, we go there, and he's in the back. He he pick, he gets all the meat off the pit and cuts it for you. And so you go in, and it's it's kind of like the, the country barbecue version of the soup Nazi. Uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with the Seinfeld yep. episode, you go yep. in. You know, you, 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 it's your turn. He doesn't say two words to you. Finally, when it is your turn, go to this here next. So we we hear next, and we know it's our turn. So I, I think all we got that day was like one pork steak and a half a chicken. 
So we order that. He opens up the pit, and there's this beautiful array of pork steaks sitting on, on the pit. Just we, we would love to pick out our own, but we know this is not the place to do that. <laughs> so he looks at the pork steaks, and he's counting them with his, you know, his fork that he pulls all the meat out with. And he looks at a piece of paper in his hand and counts them again. Doesn't say a word to us. Then he goes back into the storefront area. And leaves. He doesn't say a word and he leaves the pit room and, and just walks out. And we're like, did he just quit? Did was it ill? Like we don't know. <laughs> Brian and I are looking at each other, like, are we actually getting food? What is happening here? So he comes back in, he counts them again, flips them over with his fork, because I guess that would help him count it. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure what he was doing was counting to see if he had one to give us from all of his pre-orders. Right, right. So we finally get our pork steak, and we're we're on our merry way. And he and says nothing. Nothing. Not a word. It or anything. Uh, no word. He just gives no us word. the pork steak, and we leave. Like right. and we don't even ask him to slice it because we like to. We, and, and this is a tip for anybody. We highly recommend any place you go if you can prepare enough. Have your pork steak served to you whole. Just order a whole pork steak, especially if you have enough people, obviously, to be able to order that much meat. Mm -hmm. Order a whole pork steak and cut it yourself because obviously it tends to dry out fast. And if you can cut it yourself, it's going to be the best eating experience. Well, at Clackney, there is no eating experience. They have no tables because they don't want you there. They just want to serve (laughs) their food and go home. So we order our food. And as it's tradition for us at Kalakni, we eat it on the hood of the car. And so I, th- I think it's even on Twitter, you'll see a picture of me slicing brisket on a cutting or slicing pork steak on a cutting board on the hood of the car, yeah. on the hood of Brian's Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is, that is Kalakni. That's one of our favorite hidden nice. gems. Uh, yeah. Again, super, super thanks to Daniel Vaughn for, for finding that place. We've been going to it for several years now and it's just, it's one of those barbecue experiences that you'll never replicate. And once it's gone, it's gone. And yeah. obviously we hope that Carolyn and Irvin Clackney are around for another 20 years doing this. I don't know that Irvin wants to be around another 20 years doing this, but at this point we're going to go there as often as we can because it's yeah. just, it's a wonderful experience. The pork steak is phenomenal. The chicken is really good. It's a really good classic old school sausage that they make in house still, which is nice. really impressive considering it's such a small setup. Well, I was thinking you might have said Vera's down in uh, down south there. So. Well, I, I wish we could claim that as a hidden gem, but that's yeah. too known now. We love Vera's, though. We absolutely yeah. love Vera's. We got we got the tour. Um, the, yeah. the first time we went, we we got the tour into the back and saw the pit. And it, I'll tell you, it's it's about as um, anticlimactic as the world's largest um, uh, gingerbread man. Right. Um, but but it because it, 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 it's 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 a tiny, tiny little hole. Um, but it is, it is cool because they cook the food in the ground, literally. Um, and, and Mondo is an incredibly nice guy. Um, really cool. Not, not very vocal. You know, he, he's not, he's not the experienced, um, media savvy person and that's, but that's what we love about it. And the price is crazy cheap. Um, but, but yeah, it's not really hidden. Uh, maybe if you're not from Texas, true, but, um, we, one thing we would recommend is same as same as Kalagni, don't order the brisket there. Get mm-hmm. the barbacoa. I mean, yeah. that's true with most of the places. Um, when you see the list, one one advice we'll give you, and Daniel Vaughn does a really good job about this, but you have to watch for it, mm-hmm. which is if he doesn't mention a particular item, don't order it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's there's many places like that where, you know, they, they do two out of three things great or three out of four things or four out of five. Okay. And and it's it's not that 
I, I can't stand the, the brisket at Vera's. It's just not what they're famous for. So right. yep. uh, we knew people that went to Vera's and ordered like the Texas Trinity and weren't, weren't impressed. And it's like, well, you didn't even get the barbacoa, which is yeah. why you go there, you know? Yeah, you, you um, missed the whole point. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the yeah. Texas barbecue scene has, has really grown uh, and, and has traditions, which is one of the things that we like about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we love the big city we live in Houston, you know, around the Houston area. We love that scene. We love Austin. But but yep. getting out to you know, South Texas is a real treat. Like we you know, again, we talk about butters, beeras. We're so happy. They. Uh, I, I don't know what the status is of the James Beard Awards this year. Obviously, that coronavirus is a uh, kind of throwing everything into upheaval. Yep. But uh, beeras was being recognized this year as an American Classics for the That's James right, Beard yep. Award, which is, mm-hmm. that was. So, that one, I was so happy when I heard that. I, I just. I was so thrilled just because it, you know what that means to, to that family that's been yeah. operating that place for 65 years now. And it's, just, yeah. it's amazing to see get that kind of recognition. And they, they haven't taken on that whole media savvy, you know, I, I, I certainly recommend it to any business, right? Understand that every picture of your food is an advertisement for your food. Sure. Yeah. Um, plating is important. Branding is important. You know, putting your logo on the butcher paper is important. Those things we, we've we've noticed and learned, but it, we also kind of love that naivety mm-hmm. of not doing any of that. You know, yeah, it's, it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I was able to when I went to Snows a few years back take advantage of Daniel Vaughn's uh, recommendations because he was just ahead of me in line. That's great. Oh, so, so, so he, yeah, he so said he ordered the pork shoulder. He um, said, "Get the pork, pork steak." So. Chicken, the pork shoulder, maybe the sausage. I'm trying. I think I got some ribs too. Yeah. Yeah. Ribs. Ribs are yeah. ribs. Phenomenal there. Yeah. Sausage they don't make in house. Um, okay. But if you're not eating that style of sausage anywhere else in Texas. It's a good representative of that um, kind of. Um, it, it's it's good representative of the Luling sausage. Right. But it's not the Luling sausage. Not quite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, bourbon. Let's talk a little bourbon. I know you guys uh, have recently or uh, somewhat recently uh gone down that path a little bit I, I blame it on two people i blame it on andrew and i blame it on Corey taylor for getting me into the stupid stuff yeah, uh, yeah. but Corey um, Taylor's general manager at truth and, and, and ah, okay like, yep right yep huge, huge bourbon fanatic huge yeah these these bourbon closets but um you know for people that maybe do or don't know um you know scotch is is it's not exactly Andrew, but Scotch is basically bourbon, but made in Scotland. It's okay. not exactly Easy Tiger. Um, <laughs> bourbon has requirements around it, which is bourbon is not whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's certain things about bourbon that are phenomenal. And um, I am not one to like a really hard, strong bourbon. Andrew yeah. is more into that realm now. Um, but, you know, it's there's this there's this kind of problem a, a dual problem that there's great bourbon that's not very expensive it's just very hard to find right um it's very limited and it's it's created this whole world and anybody that understands um this is a primal instinct of hunting right um it's a very primal instinct and it's the same thing that you experience when you find great barbecue and it really is uh, but but to be able to score these so-called rare bourbons that are hard mm-hmm. to find that, that in itself, the, um, you know, the, um, the instant effect of that is, is really one of those things that is fun, 
Um, but you also have to take away some of the, the hype and yeah. find the things that you enjoy, right? Yeah. Don't, don't drink things and go, go for the gold just because it's what people tell you to do. Explore and try. Um, we're always willing, if, if, as long as you're not a, a butt, um, we're always willing to share a little bit with you. And yeah. our favorite thing is to share good, reasonably priced, hard to find bourbon with people um, because it, it, it just kind of lights a fire to a certain yeah. extent. Um, Andrew, you were showing that looked like the midwinter, midsummer. No, no, no. This is. Oh, uh, it is blah. <laughs> we we <laughs> lost Andrew again. Um, it could be the high west. It looked like almost. Yeah, he uh, didn't. Uh, he didn't. He didn't hold it up long enough for me no, to see. No. So. Um, while he's while he's in freeze frame mode, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like one of those movies where you can like just freeze somebody. Oh, and uh, he's gone. Probably come back. I'm drinking. I'm actually drinking three tonight. So yeah, I saw the Eagle Rare just a minute ago. There. So. Yeah, yeah. Eagle Rare yeah. is. I mean, this is that's a great if one. You can yeah. find it. It's it's a ridiculously cheap bourbon. Yep. Um, and and I have about five or six bottles left. Um, I don't hoard it. I will drink it all. Yeah. Um, I don't and I don't sell it. Um, but this is this is one of my favorite like go to daily daily ones if you will. Yep. Um, the other one, the other one that I, I really like. You'll come back in a second, Andrew. We'll tell you. Yeah, um, we got you there. This one oh, is the Weller. Yeah. Oh, the Dweller Twelve is just is a good. Yeah, I've been seeing hearing a lot about it. So I I love it. I mean, it's it's like a, I think it's thirty five dollars. Uh, yeah, it's a thirty dollar bottle, but it's so hard to find. Yeah. yeah, but it is like me personally. I actually like it better than Blanton's from. Mm because I'm going to drink it more. Blanton's to me is more of a little bit special treat. Weller, I'm actually willing to drink it more often if, as long as I can find it. Right. Uh, and then, and then like I mentioned before, this particular bottle is, is the Weller's um, straight from the barrel that we imported, but um, I'm sorry, Blanton. Blanton. Blanton's, yeah. What happens when you drink three different. <laughs> uh, no, but this is a Blanton straight from the barrel that, and, and regular Blanton's I, I love yeah. as well. Um, Andrew also scored as the Blanton's gold which are the releasing in the U S this summer. Okay. Uh, Blanton's to me is the best sort of reasonably priced. It's $60. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's the best reasonably priced whiskey bourbon that you can go get your hands on. If, and it's becoming more and more available. Right. And we're seeing lots of people. It is. But, yeah. it, it is. I found it in two different stores last week. Um, Blanton's is becoming more available. It's still not going to be just sitting on every store shelf. And obviously it varies state to state and i'm sure country to country hmm. but uh but yeah, yeah i mean high west. Going, you were showing Andrew. you were showing the high what? west dropped out oh, oh oh yeah this one this one i found and and i i actually kind of began the system to find this one what is it let me know if you um it's a company called or it's a it's a bourbon distiller called box Winsons. what they i mean what they do is they're based out of Washington state they source whiskey and bourbon from from different parts of the country mostly from kentucky and then they distill it from there um and this was a 15 year cask that they got and they can't legally release which company they got it from okay but because of the what, what's known as a mash bill in bourbon which yep. the mash bill is basically the, the amount of corn wheat rye whatever is the recipe the recipe yeah because of the mash bill on this one, you can pretty much tell whose it is, and pretty much everyone is certain that it's Heaven Hill, which okay. is a pretty big, big time distiller. Um, Elijah Craig is a Heaven Hill product. Yep. Uh, McKenna Ten Year, which is a very popular bourbon, um, is is a Heaven Hill product. Um, and Doc Swinson's sourced this 
allegedly Heaven Hill, though they can't say. Uh, right. 15 year, it's a 118 proof, um, and there was only 2,600 bottles of it made. Uh, and it was only sold in three states. It was sold in Washington, California, and Texas. So you couldn't even get this in Kentucky. Does it come with a banjo? So the whole reason I was able to find it does not come with a banjo. The, the only reason I was able to find it is because of coronavirus, actually. Okay. Um, the liquor stores down here are now doing online ordering, but they still don't put their really rare stuff on online order. You still have to come in the store and find it. Well, someone at the store messed up and put this on their online database, and ah. I happened to be looking at the right time, so I ordered it for curbside pickup. Nice. So, <laughs> and, the next, and the next day, it was off of their website. <laughs> Somebody got in so trouble. You find a little, someone got in trouble. You find a little gem. <laughs> yeah. As Ryan was saying, most expensive bourbon doesn't mean it's the best bourbon. Well, it's twelve is phenomenal. It's a thirty dollar bottle. Um, a ten year, which used to be super easy to find, um, was a thirty to thirty five dollar bottle. It's gotten a little harder to find now because it's won some awards and things like that. Um, I have oh, was showing Eagle there. Yeah, and, and for a couple of a, a couple of really bargain ones that are easy to find. Um, I'll throw out a, a, a I'll throw out three, and then Andrew can throw out a few if you want to get into bourbon. Um, Evan Williams single barrel is a good okay. one. Um, Four Roses single barrel is is was is a very good gateway bourbon. Yeah, um, very good and sweet. Um, and and just lately, I've really gotten into the Larceny. Um, it's kind of out of my reach because I haven't I haven't been drinking it tonight. But uh, I, I have a bottle that I haven't opened yet. Yeah, it's it's a that it's exact a good, one. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty good. I mean, um, you know, for for the availability is important mm-hmm. to me, you know, you can't always get Weller 12. And so, right. um, and I don't recommend paying much over retail, a little bit over retail, five, 10, $15. Sure. But yeah. uh, I, I was able to score a bottle of um, Weller antique. I've, I've got a, a couple of bottles that I scored at retail and then I paid $70 for a bottle, which is a, which is almost double retail. And you know right. what? It, it's really not worth it. Um, yeah. Cause all you're doing is feeding into that whole machine. Yeah. Right. Um, Andrew, what are, what are a couple of good, uh, easy to get? Um, it's super, if you want to go super cheap, uh, early times bottle and bond is a $21 bottle and it's usually pretty easy to find. At least here in Texas, it's been pretty yeah. easy to find. Um, Eagle rare is not super easy to find, but it's not super hard to find either. And it's a really well-priced bottle. Yep. I think it's about 27, 28 bucks for, for a regular size bottle. Yeah. It's, there's a there's a bourbon that people can't find anywhere but in Texas. But if you're listening to this and you're in Texas, Butler Special Reserve is a good bourbon, and mm-hmm. I think it's eighteen nineteen dollars for a regular size bottle of it, and it's on almost every store shelf in Texas. And every time I tell that to someone who doesn't live in Texas, they get mad at me because like, I can't find it anywhere. It's <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. I, I've been I haven't seen it in a while actually. But oh, I saw it today. <laughs> yeah, when it when it shows up, it shows up in bulk. It's not like yeah. because it doesn't sell so quick. Um, Another one I was thinking of, of course, is just the the regular Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Regular yep. Buffalo Trace. If you can if you can find it, that's also a good one. It's a good yeah. entry level. That's not hard to find. Yeah, that up here, Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare. Those are fairly easy to find. Uh, I've been... I mean, and yep. and when you're spending less than thirty dollars on a bottle, I don't mind mixing it in a cocktail. If I'm buying an eighty dollar bourbon, I no. want to drink it straight. But if I'm dr- yeah. if I'm buying a twenty to thirty dollar bottle, I don't mind mixing that in a cocktail any yeah. day. Yep. 
Awesome. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm still fairly new getting into it, but enjoying it for sure. Enjoyed a yeah. little... Uh, moderation. Little yeah, moderation. moderation. Yeah. Um, what, Father's what I, Day had a Basil Hayden's. It was a oh, nice, yeah. There uh, you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, I'll, what I'll tend to do, too, is sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll tear myself to where I'll have a good drink and then I'll have a medium drink and a little right. lower drink and... And that way, I'm I'm pacing myself on the good stuff and not running yeah. out. Of it. But um, enjoy it. I mean, it, it's it's like what I love about bourbon is there is a connection to barbecue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a fire element involved when they when they char out the 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 oak the barrel. staves, yep. the, the oak barrels. It's wood, right? So you've got wood mm-hmm. and you've got fire and you've got time. Yeah. And so there's there's a very similar um, connection that there is, and you can't just make another bourbon. Right. Yeah. You've got to wait 10, 12, 15 years. So um, a- another one is, um, um, gosh, I can't remember. Um, I, I want to go buy it. Actually, it is um, not early earns. I'll have to Google this real quick. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the gentleman that actually created um, Jack Daniels. OK. And um, in, um near near, I think is his name. Um and it's it's just coming out over the last few years, so he's got a, he's got a little bit to go. I think the company yeah. has a little bit to go before they're really um, Uncle Near. I think is what it is. Let me find okay. It. Yeah, I've got to uh, work. Uncle nearest, yeah, nearest Bourbon, if you can find okay. it. Um, it's it's the next one that I'm going to go buy. Probably um, it's a little more. It's it's more expensive than Jack Daniels, but um, there's a legend behind this, and that um, that this gentleman is the one that actually. Um, taught Jack Daniels how to yeah. distill and created the recipe. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I've got to work myself up to the higher uh, the higher proof uh, bourbons. I'm I'm not a higher proof guy. So Andrew's in yeah. his frozen mode again. Yeah. Um, I am not a higher proof nope. guy. Like this this um, this one from from Blanton's, I put on ice and yeah. I let and I let the ice go a little bit yep. and it it mellows it out enough for me. Um, Andrew. Andrew's nope. a little bit more of the, um, the, see there, he's already shaking his head. He's more <laughs> of the, you know, the, the cast proof cast. Proof. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, an old Ezra barrel, uh, barrel strength. Oh um, yeah. The Ezra seven. I think it is. Yeah. And the fur, it was a little, a uh, little much for me. And then I looked at it. Okay. That explains why. So I'll have to build up, uh, build up to that a little. Yeah. And some, some are smoother than others. I mean, there's yeah. some I add ice to, but yeah, it, it just depends on what it is. And, and, Aging obviously helps that process. I mean, 110 proof, 12 years, not going to taste the same as 100, you know, 110 yeah. proof, 40 years. You know? yeah. So, you know, of course, it's personal preference. You know, I'm thinking with barbecue. Brian and I don't always yeah. agree on barbecue. We tend to agree more than we do on <laughs> bourbon. One of the things, that's a good point, Andrew. Yeah. You should not agree on everything. No, absolutely. If you agree on everything, you shouldn't. I don't know what the word is. I'm not married, but, <laughs> but you need to, you need to have divergent opinions because yes. everything is subjective to everybody. And if if and this is true for anybody you watch, read, or listen to about barbecue and about bourbon, as we're talking about bourbon. But find what you like and what you enjoy. And one of the things that we we like to poke a stick at is lean brisket. So mm-hmm. kind of trickle a little bit back. Lean brisket sucks. Um, <laughs> so. We realize that a good piece of lean brisket is much harder to cook than a good piece of fatty brisket, moist brisket. Sure, sure, uh, yeah. Point side versus the flat side. We understand that totally. At the same time, 
I'm not going to get caught eating lean brisket if no. moist brisket is available. Sure. Is that, is that a hashtag? Lean brisket sucks? Or? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some people were saying, I won't name names, uh, big, uh, but, you know, you're the lean, and then look what happened. We had coronavirus. Yeah, so, yeah well, yeah. I, I was just teasing him about that today. It's when he said Well, guys, I've, uh, what's that, Andrew? Uh, Brian Bingham today declared 2021 the year of poor grits. I said, well, oh. better than this year. Better than now, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, real quick, where can folks find you uh, online, the podcast? Well, right here in the room right now. In your room, yeah. Yeah. No, um, from podcast, the easiest way is just to kind of Google is under Tales from the Pits with an S because we yep. are not Tales from the Pit. There's three or four different uh, groups that are Tales from the right. Pit. Um, Tales from the Pits, but um, we do have social media and um, Andrew, because I've had like four drinks, five drinks. <laughs> Instagram, we're at Tales from the Pits. Yep. Twitter, at BBQ Podcast. Um, you can find us on pretty much any podcast listening app, Apple right. Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, all that fun stuff. So you, you can find us pretty much anywhere. We're pretty yep. pretty easy to find. And, you know, we you know, really appreciate you taking the time and having us on today. You know, hopefully, you know, we can get back to whatever normal is going to be in in the coming weeks and months. And, yeah. you know, we missed that, you know, the primacy of pulling brisket apart with our hands and shoving it in our mouths and all that good stuff. And Indeed. Hopefully we can all get back to the same. Hopefully, Ryan, you can get back to Texas soon. Yes, yeah, for yeah, sure. I'd love, love to share uh, some beer and some brisket with you. Yep. Or bourbon. bourbon. Or bourbon. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the last, uh, last question I ask everybody, guys, it's dinner time. You got the, uh, the smoker fired up. What's your go-to? So, my my thing lately is pork steaks. I'm pork sorry. steak, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's so easy. I I bought a saw. Um, nice. You know, it looks like it looks like a uh, you know just, it's just a handsaw. Yeah. Um, you can buy them off of Amazon. Um, just be super careful because you can totally be called you know stubby. Um, <laughs> but um, I I love hand cutting those pork steaks, throwing them on there from a from an ease of cook, mm-hmm. quality of what I like. Um, it's just, I love it. And it's so damn cheap. I mean, you can find pork steak, you can find pork butts on sale sometimes as cheap as 99 cents a pound, um, you know, $1.27, as long as you're willing to cut them. If you have a, if you, you know, some of your stores actually have a butcher, it's kind of fading out of popularity these days, but HPB locally has some of those. And Mm -hmm. I would have them cut the steaks for me. Don't buy the pre-cut steaks at the store because they're always way too thin. Okay. Um, For pork steak, you need an inch and a half inch inch and a half even two inches um the secret in a great quality pork steak is the thickness because the heat on the outside it's just like a great quality steak right yep. think about a great quality ribeye you don't want a thin ribeye you want a thick ribeye it's the mm. same thing with a pork steak andrew as for me i'll be honest i've been cooking every day pretty much for the last <laughs> three months i'm tired of cooking i am super tired of cooking um so what i would recommend if, if Eating time and you're running some barbecue, go support a local joint. Get bulk to go meats. That's what a lot yeah. of barbecue joints are doing these days. You can get yep. bulk to go stuff. And the great thing about that is you can portion it out however you want. If you've got a big family, a smaller family, and you can eat on that big piece of meat or, or several big pieces of meat for, for meals for weeks and weeks. Absolutely. You know, Brian and I have gotten pretty creative with our leftover barbecue in terms of what we can turn it into, whether that's in the chili and enchiladas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many different preparations. Even today, I had a, uh, a uh, kind of a bastardized version of a 
Cuban sandwich today. It was on a Martin's potato roll with pulled pork. Um, it had some truth pickles onions on it. Nice. And uh, some cheese from ATB, and that was it. That was my meal for that was my dinner for this week. So, yeah. Support. It's a great way to support your local barbecue joints if you can get bulk meats. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll be cheaper than buying it by the pound because a lot of times it's a chilled meat that they that they're trying to get some sort of profit out of. So if you're mm-hmm. able to find a good deal on that. Now's the time to do it. You can stretch that meal out and you can support a local barbecue joint at the same time. For sure. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much again. I uh, really appreciate it. I didn't mention it at the beginning, but uh, when you guys started your podcast three, uh, a little over three years ago, listening to that uh, was certainly one of the inspirations for me to get into this, uh, into the game. So uh, great to finally uh, hook up and chat with you guys. So. It's been years since I've been up to, to Canada, and um, yeah. you know, we've been trying to get up to Adamson and, and the Toronto area. Yeah, yeah, well, there. Yeah, we don't talk. That's the other side of the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, um, we, we, my wife and I are going on a vacation in in August. Um, and we're we were definitely looking at at Canada. One of the things we were afraid of is that we may not be able to be let in. Yeah, um, because of the the, the virus. Yep differences yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're winding up going to alaska where there is not okay um yeah. but um but definitely yeah we'd love to come up there sometime absolutely get down to houston yeah if you want to meet somewhere in the middle um probably not kansas city um <laughs> just have a pork sandwich yeah, yeah. yeah you know we're okay we're with, with anyway. now, from tennessee to carolinas yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make that drive awesome guys thanks so much i really appreciate it enjoy the Look rest of your evenings out, and We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. That's a wrap, everyone. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. They sure help increase the show's visibility. Thanks to Brian and Andrew for joining me on the podcast this week. It was great chatting with you both, and I can't wait to get back down to Houston so we can share some barbecue. Be sure to check them out on Tales from the Pits wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Eat More Barbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at Eat underscore More underscore Barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you.